prayers of each and every one. Brother Rob, would you lead us in a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us to meet at your house and worship in peace. Father, we would ask that you be with this brother as he comes before us, touch his heart, and let him not hear in his message. Father, we would ask that you be with us so that we may hear and receive the message and take it well. Father, we would ask that you be with all those who are not here, all those who may be sick and afflicted, all those who have lost loved ones. Help them and comfort their heart and bring them to them. Father, we would ask that you forgive us of our many sins and shortcomings, and we thank you for all of our many blessings and all these things we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Well, today's the last day of this year. Tomorrow begins a brand new year. Time's shy. I thought about this a lot. Times change. People think they change. They really don't. But by, by nature, we are what we are. And there's very much movement in the world today, especially among the religious, those that we need to make our message more contemporary and our services. And if you could put a title on this message, A New Year, the same Almighty God. God does not change that I don't understand that why you would feel the need to change the message from a God that never changes. Our text will come in the 117th Psalm. The entire 117th Psalm. Both verses. There's only two. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people, for His merciful kindness is great 
toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. God's merciful kindness is great toward us, His people, and His truth. His truth. Now, <clears throat> I remember an old Baptist preacher some years ago, he worked with a fellow and he, and they, he was a, a, a good God-fearing man of another faith and they would talk about the Bible and the fellow finally said to the old Baptist, he said, well, your truth and my truth may be different. He said, brother, we both might be wrong, but we both can't be right. Truth is not relative. Truth is what God says it is. So with the thought, we understand in Malachi, one of my favorite books, Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament, in chapter 3, in verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You know, you talk about salvation by grace and God's sovereignty and God is absolutely in control and people, they want to back up from that. But the truth of the matter is, if when God had wiped this earth clean during the flood, it wasn't because Noah was good. What does the Scripture tell us? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is unmerited favor but be bestowed upon an unworthy character. The fact of the matter is, if God had wiped all the humanity off this earth, He'd have been just and right to do so. We're corrupt. The principle is missing. If you read the parable that Jesus gave, the man who went out and received laborers into the eleventh hour, He rose and went early in the morning and hired men to work in his vineyard and agreed with them for a penny a day. And he went, even, you know, all day long to the eleventh hour. So there was people that only toiled one hour in the vineyard. And they paid the ones that had been there the shortest time. They got paid the same amount and they got to them at the it started in the heat of the day. Well, they said, we ought to get more. And the master of the vineyard said, Did I give you, am I not giving you what I promised you? Is it not lawful? Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Now there's a principle that the world is lost. This world is God's creation. He can do with it what He pleases. And we ought to be thankful that His mercy endureth and is great. Let's understand, God does not change. It says, For I am the Lord and I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The only reason that God didn't just wipe us out and start over is because He said, I change not. You're not consumed because I'm going to have mercy on you that in Hebrews, Hebrews the 13th chapter, verses 8 and 9, 
It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart is established with grace and not with meats, which have not profited to them that have been occupied therein. It's not about what's he saying when it's meat. It's not about your work, it's about my grace. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. And it tells us, and it tells us that it says in our text, for His merciful kindness, for His merciful kindness is great toward us. I looked up the word mercy in a Webster's 1828 dictionary. Here, I love this definition. Mercy. That benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. And if, you, if you've been listening to me for these years that I've been your pastor, that's one of my favorite phrases. I'm better than I deserve. And like I said, I told that to a fellow one time. He said, you get what you deserve. Brother Rob, Lord, I hope I don't get what I deserve. I know what I deserve. I want mercy and grace. How about you? I don't want what I deserve. I want, I want the kindness of God. I remember a preacher talking about his little grandson. His, his mother would, every time he, she'd correct him, she'd give him a Bible verse like, Children, obey your parents. And he'd got in trouble and he said, and she looks at him and says, All right now, what does the Bible say? And he dropped his head down and said, Be ye tender hearted. Now, what do we want? We want mercy and grace, don't we? That's the truth. Psalms 118. Now we read Psalms 117 as our text. I'm going to read the first four verses of Psalm 118. <clears throat> Listen to what this says. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say, that His mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, that His mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say, that His mercy endureth forever. Aren't you glad that God doesn't run out of patience with us? That His mercy is going to endure? Yes, tomorrow will be a brand new year, but the same God seated upon the throne that's been there all the time, and He doesn't change. Oh, can He give the chastening rod? Yes, He can. I've said this before. My dad, my dad knew exactly how to apply the rod of chastisement. I didn't like it, Sister Lillian, but I know now that it was for my good. Even in the, in the chastisement, the Lord says, Whom I love, I chasten. Then we ought to know that His mercy still endures. He's trying to protect us from ourselves. And the truth is, brothers and sisters, sometimes I need protecting from myself. Why? Why do we believe that God's mercy 
and truth will endure forever. Well, one of my favorite verses in Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46, I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there's none else. I'm God and there's none like me. There is no other God. And there's no, there is no power on the, on the universe like our God. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times of things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. What's God going to do? Everything He intended to do. Psalms tells us that God hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Now, we ought to rejoice this as we end this year, 2023, and as we look forward to 2024, we can rejoice that God does not change. That it plainly tells us He declared the end. When did He do it? In the very beginning. Some people seem to me they've got this, got this image that God is somehow in heaven wringing His hands worried about how this is going to turn out. That's not true. The verse that I just said, he, told, he knew exactly how it was going to end and he knew that, Brother Rob, from the very beginning. So God doesn't change. We understand that there's a lot of false ideas around in the world and here's one of the ones that I hate the most. That man has got the idea that the way he takes care of business is somehow going to destroy this earth. Has anybody heard of global warming? All these, all these people getting on their private jets, flying to a conference to tell me that I've got to drive an electric car. And they're going to make the electricity with coal. I'm sorry, that don't track. But what did God say about the matter? He's talking about God's mercy endureth forever. That's what we ought to be rejoicing at. In Genesis chapter 8, the flood's over and Noah and his family have just gotten off the ark. In, in Genesis chapter 8, I'm going to start reading in verse 20 and read through verse 22, the end of the chapter. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offering on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Did you understand that? God promised Noah, as long as the earth remaineth. Now when Jesus returns and takes His people to, to glory, all those that He died for and those that are not His, those that are the devils, He's going to cast into eternal punishment and He'll destroy this world with a fervent heat. That's the only global warming I believe in. When the Lord finished, He'll burn it up. But what did God say? 
God said, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. It's going to go right on. Why? Because God said it would. Because God's merciful. What does that mercy mean? And in the very subject that we're talking about, well, let's just go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount in verse 45. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Every human being on this planet, life is sustained because God sustains it. He said, I'll send the rain on the, and the, on the just and the unjust. I make the, I make the seasons. I make the rain. And you hear the, the, the weather people on the TV. It's going to be a warmer year than and common this year because of El Nino. And it's going to come up here and do this and do that. Do these things have a mind of their own? No. God set these things in motion. He sets currents and God's still on the throne. And His by His mercy, you and I can go to the grocery store just as soon as, as we dismiss here today and you've got shelf upon shelf of food. Why? Because God makes it to rain on the just and the unjust. And those that are working evil and those that are working good can eat. Why? Because of the providence of God. Because God is merciful. Go back to the 23rd Psalm. Think about this just a minute. Everybody, everybody, most people can recite the 23rd Psalm, whether they, you hear it all the time, you hear it, it's, I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard it read at the cemetery. Most preachers will close with the 23rd Psalm, and it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. But listen to what it says to us, the living. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We know God is the good shepherd. We know He's the great shepherd. But bless your heart, brothers and sisters, He's our shepherd. He looks after us. He takes care of us. We made the illustration last week. Jesus told the Pharisees, He said, If thou be the Christ, He said, The reason you don't believe is you're not My sheep. My sheep hear My voice. And we made that illustration that when the shepherd would go out, it didn't matter how many different flocks of sheep were there, when he spoke, his sheep got up and followed him. That's a picture of our Lord and Savior. When the Lord speaks to a heart of a child of God, He's different. The Lord's took possession of what's His. That's all because of His mercy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And before I read that last verse, can we all not say the Lord has blessed us in times of trouble, that the Lord has prepared to take care of us? And how many trials have you been through and you thought, man, I'm never going to get through this. And you look back, 
And you understand, if it hadn't been the Lord, I wouldn't have got through it. We all go through bad things. That's part of life. It's a reality of life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You remember the story of Joseph, how his brother sold him into slavery? His brother sold him into slavery, and the Lord blessed him. He was wound up in Potiphar's house, and the Lord blessed him, and he wound up in prison, and the Lord blessed him, and he became governor of all of Egypt, and the Lord blessed him. And when their father Jacob died, his brothers were tore all to pieces. They said, surely he'll take revenge on us. I'll read some verses in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50, starting at verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a message unto Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shalt thou say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren in their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before him, before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for, I'm in, I, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. We can rejoice that God can overrule the evil that is in this world. They meant it for evil. His brothers did. They sold him into slavery. They wanted to get rid of him. But God was watching over Joseph the whole time. For what reason? That he's, he, God knew this famine was coming. And He was going to save Joseph and his brethren and many people from this famine because God's good. Aren't you glad of the providence of God, His mercy that rules in our lives day by day? Now, in our text it says, For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Truth. The truth of the Lord endureth forever. Let's go to the first, to the first chapter of John, the Gospel of John. Verses 15 through 17, And John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of all his fullness have we received grace, have we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You see, there's not different versions of the truth. It's what God says. What God says is right is right, and what God says is wrong is wrong, and I don't care what laws they pass, who endorses what. If God says it's wrong, it's still sin. It doesn't matter what man thinks about it. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. Grace and truth. Jesus said, 
there are, there's, there's a very well-known celebrity that says there are many ways to God, but that's not so. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's understand. Truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, let's understand how great that is in our lives, what it teaches us. Titus chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and acknowledging of the truth which in is after godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. When did God promise eternal life to His people? Before the world ever was. And it just told you God cannot lie. Man can lie. I remember a joke about a little fellow that he'd been driving a truck and they promised him he'd get to go home every so many days and that uh, he'd been on the road for about a month and hadn't got to go home and he walked into the boss's office and, the, and said, why did you tell me that lie? And the boss said, which one? That's the way man is. It's not the way our God is. God cannot lie. And He promised eternal life. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, that... God can take sinners and change their life and use them. Now, Jesus goes to the Samaritan woman. He tells us in the opening of chapter 4, He tells His disciples, I have needs go through Samaria. I've got to go through Samaria. Now, I'm sure this was strange to His disciples because they were all Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. They called Samaritans dogs. They didn't have any use for him. And there's a Samaritan. He goes and sits down by one of the wells of Jacob, and one of the Samaritan women come out, and he asked her to draw him some water. And she's as surprised as the disciples probably was. Well, you're a Jew. You don't you don't have anything to do with Samaritans. And Jesus said, "If you know who you're talking to, you'd ask of." Me water and I'd give you living water that you'd never thirst again. Well, now she's interested. Well, give me this water that I'd never thirst. And Jesus said, Now here I'll show you that God can use people if they have messed up in their life. And Jesus said, Go call thy husband. And she said, I have no husband. Jesus said, That's right. You told the truth. You've had five, and the one you got now is not yours. She wants to change the subject. Jesus said, she says, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now listen to what Jesus tells her. Here's what I'm after. Jesus, verse 21 of the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh and now it cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for the salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
Now, can you have one without the other? I say no. You have to have the Spirit of God and you have to have the truth to truly worship God. That's what Jesus said. Now, we are to try the spirits. If you went over to 1 John, the book of 1 John, and chapter 4, if I can get there. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, plural, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There are, there are many people, there are many things. The Bible tells me that even Satan can transform himself as an angel of light and his ministers as ministers of light. Well, what's the Satan trying to do? Pretending to be from God? He's trying to deceive people. Because that's what Satan does. And we're to try the spirits to see if they are from God. Because you may have a spirit and it may not be the spirit. Now, what does he say? Whereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the Spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. How do we try the spirits? Well, if they're honoring and glorifying Jesus Christ as Lord and Master, that's a good indicator. And if they're not, you need to leave it alone. And how do we try the truth? This word is truth. Scriptures tell us that. That in the Gospel of John, listen to what Jesus tells His disciples. He's telling them in chapters 14, 15, and 16. He's addressing them before He's going to the cross. He knows He's going to die. He tells them that he's going to die. And in chapter 14 it says, uh, in verse 16, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter and he may be, that he may be able, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. What's the Holy Spirit? He's the Spirit of truth. He's not going to reveal something to you that's wrong. We need to pray when we read God's Word. We need to pray as we come into the house of worship. We need to pray that the Spirit will lead us to the truth. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be with you. Over in chapter 16, Jesus says, How be it when the Spirit of truth Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive a mine and shall show it unto you. There are many... Translations. That'd be the that'd be the polite word for me to use of the Bible, so called. But bless your heart, dear children. There are many of them. 
that absolutely have an agenda to deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'll give you an example. If you read the 8th chapter of Acts, where Philip preaches to the Ethiopian eunuch, the eunuch says, well, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, if, if thou believest, thou mayest. And the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Most other translations other than the King James leave that verse completely out. Why? They, Satan's a liar and a father of it. People follow after things that they think is intelligent because somebody said it was. Well, the Bible just told me, try the spirits, and if it doesn't glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, leave it alone. Brothers and sisters, we need to see. What are we to be? I said, I said clearly that we are to be about the truth. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Brothers and sisters, we're to be about the truth of what God's Word says. It doesn't matter what the world's opinion is. It doesn't matter what other people think. We're to stand for the truth. People make the argument, well, it's, it's times have changed. Well, times have changed. That I've told this story before when, when my, now my mother lived to be 95 years old. When she was a little girl growing up as a member of this church when it was at the old location down in the, what's referred to as the Young Men. They had an association meeting and people came from Nashville and my mama was a little, little girl. Some of y'all may remember that they had the post with the T's and a woven wire stretched between the T's and they would put a tablecloth over it and that's where they spread out the dinner. And there were people that came from Nashville and brought loaves of bread just like you and I buy in the store. And Mama said her and all of the children lined up to get a slice of bread because they'd never seen bread like that. They ate cornbread, and if they were lucky, they got a biscuit, but they'd never seen a loaf of bread. Didn't know what it was, Charles. Times have changed. Man has not. He's still a sinner. That's what people don't realize. Some people have the idea that man's getting better and better. Well, my Bible tells me he's going to get worse and worse. Sin is a reality, and we battle it. Let's, let's understand who our God is. And the pillar and ground of truth, if we're going to see what the pillar and ground of truth is, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. It says, But Christ being an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now what did that say? That Jesus Christ entered in once before His Father, 
our Father, and He obtained eternal redemption for us. He did not make our salvation, our redemption, a opportunity, a possibility, or an offer. He says He obtained it. Now, what does that mean? He's in possession of it. He achieved His goal. Now what does it say? For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through, his eter- through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now what did that just say? Jesus Christ didn't offer Himself to me. He didn't offer Himself to you. He offered Himself to God for everyone that the Father gave Him. And Father, you'll go all the way back to Isaiah, and before Jesus ever got here, the prophecy of His coming, God looked and saw what it says. He saw the travail of His soul and was satisfied. God the Father looked and saw what Jesus Christ would accomplish, and He said, I'm satisfied. That'll pay the debt. That'll reconcile fallen sinners like you and I. I quoted a song in one of my devotions this week. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Brothers and sisters, let's understand. That's the truth. Jesus is not wringing His hands waiting to see how this comes out. He got what He paid for. We spoke last week. We want a deliverer that will get the job done. We A deliverer that will deliver all the way. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places with Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Now there's a marvelous truth that most people will gag on and don't understand. I heard that, well, I don't believe God predestinated anybody to go to torment. Amen, hallelujah. He didn't. What did He predestinate? He predestinated people that He loved to be taken out, to be adopted out of the fallen sinful family of Adam into the family of God. That's a good thing. That's a real good thing. It tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we're predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. And people say, you ask people, well, what do you believe about this? Well, I don't believe. That's how they start. And I didn't ask you what you don't believe. I said, what does the verse teach? That we'll be conformed to the image of His Son. You go to in the book of Hebrews where we are a few minutes ago and it talks about Jesus as our high priest. And Brother Robbie says he, that our high priest is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. Well, right now, you and I and every child of God, I'm not, I'm not holy, neither are you. I'm not harmless. <laughs> Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. I'm not harmless. I'm not undefiled and I'm not separate from sinners. I am a sinner. 
But God predestinated when a family of God gets home, we'll be just like Jesus. And I'll be all those things, Brother Rob, and so will you. And it's not about what I've done. It's about what He did for me. That's the truth. And what does our text say? That truth endures forever. Let's read on. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. How are we saved? According to the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved, beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Brothers and sisters, salvation is of the Lord. And that's truth. In the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. 17th chapter, verse 1 says, and it says, These words spake Jesus, and lifted up His eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. And Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And Jesus declared on the cross of Calvary, when He, he, he said, knowing that all things were now fulfilled, He said, I thirst that the, that prophecy too would be fulfilled. And He said, it is finished. And brothers and sisters, that's a glorious truth that we can rejoice in whether we're in the last day of this year or the first day of next year that the work of our redemption and the payment for our sins, Brother Charles, it's finished and Jesus Christ is the one that finished it. Now, I've had all these thoughts because we're coming to the end of the year. And there's something I want you to see and think about. It's just as true today as it will be next year and next month or if the Lord tarries ever how many years till He comes again. Here's a marvelous truth. Listen to what it says. In Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Start at verse 21. This is Paul talking to the church at Philippi, writing them a letter. He says, For me to live is... Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I want not. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. What's Paul saying? That I'm in a you ever heard the old saying I'm between a rock and a hard place? I'm in a strait betwixt two. He said, you know, he's in prison and he may, get, he may be executed. He don't know that. He said, to die and go home to be with Jesus is far better. But if it's needful that I stay here, what's he saying? If I die, I'll go home and be with Jesus. And if I live, I'll live as long as I live here to the honor and glory of my Lord and Savior. Well, that's good either way, folks. I'll close on this verse in Second um, Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter. It is chapter three. There it is. 
chapter 3 and verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. When the Lord comes back, He's going to take His people home. And it says, hasting the day. Looking for with anticipation. Give me just one more minute. Maybe two. I've told you this before. I remember when I was a little boy, Brother Rob. Brother Jimmy, they used to be... Everybody remembers this. They used to be locks, five and dime on Main Street. And when... If Dad, he worked in the factory and we'd farm on the weekends, and if we got all the work laid by Brother Charles, we'd go to town and Mom would shop. And I was just a little bitty fella. Now, we'd go through the door at Locks. If you went through, the candy counter was on the left. And I remember all those little old ladies that worked in there. And they'd ask, Honey, do you want a piece of candy? And I'm not talking about this prepackaged, all wrapped up stuff. They had glass containers. And they had a scale hanging up there that they could weigh it, sell it to you. All kinds of good stuff, Charles. And I would look. What do I choose, Charles? It all looks good. That's why I want us to enter the new year. That's what we're hasting the day. We're looking. I'm looking for my Lord to come back. And I'm just like Paul. If I live, I'll live for the honor and glory of my Lord. And if I die, I'll go home and be with Him. And that's good either way. I wouldn't know what to choose. I think I'd choose to go home. Well, there's a lot of people I love here, but home's a good place to be. Brothers and sisters, the truth of this message today. Yes, we've come to the end of one year and we're going to enter into another. But the same great God that's been with us this far will go with us the rest of the way. May the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer.